Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, I'm Kat and welcome to the next in our Champions of Change series. So I'm mixing things up today in a way that I think that my guests today would find entirely appropriate. So Champions of Change in the series, we've been talking about how yoga can be taken off the mat and how the transformation which we've felt on the mat can be rippled out into the world and we can make a real change in the world. The person who I'm meeting today is making a real change in the world, but in a very different and very extraordinary way. Um, so today I'm meeting David Cam, who is a movement artist, and his yoga practice is, as you'll hear, so very, very different because what he does is he combines his acute intelligence, and he's an ex-architect, with his, he's a dancer as well, with his love of fluidity of movement, with his yoga teaching. And what he's done is he's responded to his environment, to the ways that he's seeing the yoga community's needs at the moment, and he's changed things up. And that's why he's a champion of change. But what I love about him, says so much to love about him, is that he's so not rigid in his practices and in what he is suggesting for others. He'll never say, this is the way to do things, because that's not how life is. And that's why he is a real champion of change, because he really embraces change, both in yoga practice, off the mat, and in how we see life. Anyway, with no further ado, enjoy. This is David Cam. So, David, hi. How are you? I am good. <laughs> really excited for this. Fabulous. And it's so lovely to get to chat to you. So the first time I met you was now a couple of years ago. And it was quite funny because it was at a class in London and oh, come along. And you know what? I was feeling quite frisky that day because I had been, I'd just come back from a yoga retreat and I thought, right, you know, I'm, I'm ready for this. I don't often go to classes in London because um humiliation <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I went along and thought ready for this and oh my goodness it was full of people who were the most mobile people that I think I've ever met and <laughs> it was um, it, it was extraordinary because the whole thing about well there was no this is your place on the mat and you know this is your safe space on the mat and everything was about pushing out of the boundaries um, and I found that absolutely terrifying because I was ready for the mobility, but I wasn't ready for the um, for the mental coming out of that mm. state. And that was um, that was interesting. Lots of eye contact used in class. Lots of um, communal people 
you know, actually coming into a circle and acknowledging other students. This is very, 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 very unusual. I'd never experienced <laughs> anything like that, David. So how how did you come about this method of teaching? Um, yeah, it was a really funny one because um, I came into yoga really from dance training, uh, from two mm-hmm. years of professional dance training. And what what's so magical about um, dance is that, firstly, you don't deal with mats. <laughs> yes. Any surfaces that you deal with. And uh, the way that we approach movement is very um, open in a sense that whatever kinds and disciplines of movements that are out there, dancers mm-hmm. will happily take on as sort of another arsenal and another perspective to add mm-hmm. to their bodies. And mm-hmm. I find that um, in, in the, the class that uh, you came to, which is at Indaba, mm-hmm. that a studio is one of my favorite studios in London and it was a real catalyst to me honing my voice as a yoga teacher because they are such established practitioners in they, that well, specific they just... community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were really established, no? Like yeah, and fabulous. It was to the point where when I was covering uh when you know when I first started teaching there I was uh, mainly covering the classes and I was starting to question myself and what I can really offer them. Because mm-hmm. what I see is that they know their their typical asana practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you I really could just be quiet and they could go on with their salutations and their mm-hmm. usual flow. And I was just thinking, okay, you know, they um they're so good at what they do now and what they identify as an asana practice. But if I were to just nudge them sideways, they actually mm-hmm. would just fall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's really they, great. <laughs> yeah, because they have gotten so um used to and so mm-hmm. strong in the specific uh, movement that a traditional uh, asana practice entails, which is really um, sort of a sagittal plane of movement where we you know, bow a lot and we backbend a lot. If you mm-hmm. look into salutations, we go up and down a lot, but not really sideways uh, too much. Um, so I thought, you know what, I, I want to make it my purpose in a sense as a yoga teacher to to break that boundary to get them to remember what the whole point of yoga is and for me yoga is very much about shedding light in places where you lack awareness and in this specific context that's where they lack awareness and in general now thinking about London as a a yoga scene um, there's so much yoga happening literally Mm -hmm. if you miss a class five minutes later you would be able to roll onto another studio with another class so many yoga teachers around and mm. the level of practice is you know something i've i would not really see in my time traveling abroad and in, in teaching other uh, in workshops in other cities mm-hmm. we're just so um experienced now in a sense where mm. almost everyone knows uh, yoga mm. um, and so i thought this really is uh, what they need and really reminding um themselves again that uh these asana practice traditionally you know is to prepare us for a, a seat of meditation and i i take that quite metaphorically in the sense where preparing yourself to be in a seat of openness you know mm. adaptation and mm. if you are so stuck in a specific way of moving is that yoga anymore mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. sense so it it is meant to be provocative 
in some ways. It is. You know, especially in that specific class where you came to, I found it really in, intriguing to just not say anything in the very beginning and just mm. notice how people enter the room. <laughs> mm. Because obviously, like you said, the map space is like a safe haven. And mm-hmm. to then remove it and have uh, no mats for these students to enter the room in, um, I, I noticed that dancers in the room mm. just immediately went and sprawled across the floor <laughs> whereas yogis in the room just went uh what do what do i where do, do i go absolutely <laughs> where do I go? yes and that that is the difference in in, in behavior in a sense where mm-hmm. these guys these dancers just went there's a space i'm gonna use it mm-hmm. whereas i feel like uh yogis uh you know it's, it's a beautiful symbol that the mm-hmm. You know where you can enter this little safe space mm-hmm. where you um, be in your own little bubble. But mm-hmm. sometimes when you take it too far, we forget that the connection that you've created within yourself is something that uh, you should think about in establishing with your surroundings too. Mm. That's that's very interesting. The connection mm. that you're creating with yourself is something that you're also connecting with your surroundings. That. That's fascinating because that's like um, that's a whole new definition of yoga, and that's Absolutely. what that's what I found as an experience of it. It was mm. absolutely extraordinary because I've been practicing for twenty five years now, and you know I know how to make some shapes on a mat. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. I'm not I'm not that mobile anymore, but you know I um. I can make some shapes and I feel very comfortable. And as you say, mm-hmm. you know, it's something it's very interesting to me because I've always had that thought of, ah, oh, my mat is my sacred space and I can light my little incense next to my mat and create my little ritual. And here mm-hmm. is a place where I can do my practice. And suddenly, it literally, um, the mat gets ripped from under you and you're like, nope, none of that. Now you're just going to move. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it does create um, a relationship with the environment, with the room you're in, with, um, you know, I've I've now been practicing in my living room. And it's like, you know, whereas, oh, my mat can fit here. And I know exactly where. Oh, tell you what, if I put my leg here, then I can use the sofa as a prop here. And there goes the chair. And behind me, there's some. And actually, that's that's interesting, isn't it? That's different. Mm -hmm. It really is something so great because um, I think what um, partly what hit me as well is mm-hmm. when I have been in classes as a student, it almost feels at some times, and this is really not because of the, the teacher, but just the, the general uh, attitude and mm-hmm. the demeanor that people have is that it's become such a safe space that it almost feels like the London Tube again. You know, where like if if a stranger would step on your mat, it would have been like, uh, what are you doing here? You know, and um, it really breaks off that uh, mm. sense of community, which I think is that magical layer of what makes uh, classes in person so so special. Mm. Because um, you know the platform that you've created, moving from one is so is so great that you know people can have that personal space. But when mm. you then bring people together. The difference mm. is that you are with others. So why would you not celebrate that? Hmm. You know what? I think that that is so beautiful. 
because again, I've been practicing, you know, I've been to the London yoga studios for mm. decades and I've always had this experience of you sort of roll out your mat and you're careful not to infringe mm. on the person next door. And, you know, and, and, and the only way you, that you kind of interact with them is like, oh, sorry, sorry, you know, my, my hand slightly. And, yeah. and it's kind of this apologetic, it is like being on the tube. That's yes. such a great analogy. <laughs> and it feels so um, confining, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And that's actually part of the reason why um, I practice at home, because that thing, I, it, I don't like going on the tube and I wouldn't pay 17 quid to do mm. it. <laughs> mm. It's not me. So just having that feel of, yeah, celebration of community. Wow. It's a real connection. It's not just connecting to yourself and your breath and all of that, but the connection with other people is just so liberating in your work, David. It, it really is, because I think partly uh, uh, another driving force for this is this idea of responsiveness. Because, mm. like I said, these uh, these guys that I've been uh, fortunate enough to share my practice with, they're so open in their body. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in a sense where really they they are some of the strongest people I know, they're some of the mm-hmm. most flexible people I know. Mm-hmm. And you know, it seems like there's a lot of trend uh, you know, happening in the movement world where in the beginning is all about flexibility and mm-hmm. then it came into this whole handstand craze. That's right. We're this, yeah, <laughs> we're now in this era of mobility, you know, let's let's look into mobility. And mm-hmm. um for me, I think everything in the body, all of this that you're working on is rendered useless if you do not know how to apply it. And so I really wanted to focus on this idea of responsiveness, you know, mm. allowing people to connect the dots so that they can actually use their body when they need to be on mm. the mat. And this mm. is why we start with beginning to notice things around it. Because if you were to constantly put yourself in that uh, safe rectangular box mm-hmm. of uh, a mat, it's almost like you're putting yourself in that bubble that nothing is ever going to like invade. And even simple things like if you're a mother at home and if you have your baby crawling around your mat, that itself is already a creative practice of, oh, how can I manage my practice with, you know, my baby going around me everywhere? Mm-hmm. It's, it's that kind of uh, responsiveness of making things work. Because if you just, you know, look into your know, everyday life, there's always mm-hmm. going to be ruptures. There's always going to be change. And we mm-hmm. talk about this idea that change is the constant. So how can we build ourselves towards em- embracing that change and mm-hmm. to overly stick to a routine mm-hmm. will I don't think will help that and I'm not saying that you know my offering and my way of movement is the way to go but what I'm trying to share here is another perspective so that people don't feel like there's only one way of doing things mm-hmm. and whenever they feel like breaking um, their their tendencies of movement or just finding a new way of thinking they can come to my class and then when they're happy to, they can go back to their, uh, you know, Ashtanga classes and, you know, or any other yoga classes. Like 
like a bit of a buffet, you know? Like, mm. what do I fancy today? You know, do mm. I need to just wiggle it out and having my own free space to do my thing? If that is it, you come to me. And then, you know, mm. if you feel like today, you know, I'm feeling very flighty in my head and I just need some, you know, very structured practice, you go you go to other uh, more traditional classes. So it's that kind of mindset that I'm hoping mm. to cultivate where you can think for yourself and not just sort of, almost blindly going into uh, classes mm -hmm. and almost expecting prescriptions from teachers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to find out for yourself what is the best solution for your current state of body and mind in that present time. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And I love the thought of yoga as a buffet. It's so, it's yeah. funny because I've beaten myself up over the years because you know, I started off um, doing Ashtanga and I did that so, mm, fairly seriously, but not really. I wasn't like mm. proper Ashtangi. Um, but I've never found my thing. And in a way, there's so much pressure. Like, oh, no, I haven't found my style. I haven't found my thing. And now, of course, 25 years on, I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely cool. Like a buffet mm -hmm. mindset is exactly right. Some days it's a structure. Some days it's something just very gentle, restorative. Some days you need something feisty. What I like that you have said about your class is it's the mental element of it. It's not just physicality. It's how mm -hmm. you, your mind relates to the movement. And it's that opening up of a new way of thinking, the creativity that's really very beautiful and so strong having the mental focus there. Yes, thank you. Um, it's it really is because uh, when you know you're constantly exposed to places where you haven't been before, mm. uh, it's not even just um, a bit of a mental sort of a stimulation. It's also really my answer to preventing injuries mm. because you know from. Uh, I'm I'm not the most anatomy heavy person in my mm -hmm. teaching, and that's simply because uh, number one, it could be quite isolating uh, mm -hmm. in class, uh, and I'm one to stick with very almost borderline childish imageries <laughs> mm. to uh, to students, so that I can really provide um, a class that's so open that a six year old kid could come and do it, and they would understand <laughs> what I'm talking about. Oh, they'd but, love it. They they wouldn't yeah. feel any of the mental rigidity that we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, you know, I've had um, quite a few kids, especially coming to my workshops before. Uh, I, I do quite a lot of play workshops, and they usually mm. were the ones who would lead the way. <laughs> I bet they do. You know, I would use them to be like, okay, look, guys, like, look at how these kids are just responding to things, and you know how it's different for for adults where we already set so many boundaries in our heads before even trying something out, where they don't. Um, and I'm almost trying to get us back into that place. And back to what I was talking about in terms mm. of injuries, you know, they're never really an ideal posture. You know, everyone is so different. And sometimes, you know, this person that might be overly hunching, maybe that is their ideal alignment. And it's not for me to say, oh, you, you have to lengthen your spine, in, in a sense, because it's down to the, the structure of your bones. And, you know, it's I don't have authority to almost dissect or uh, prescribe what it is, it, which is his or her perfect alignment. A doctor can do that maybe through x-rays, but I don't have x-ray vision. Mm -hmm. But what I know is that uh, injuries come when your body enters um, shapes within it that has, again, no awareness. So mm -hmm. places where you rarely go to, 
where the body doesn't know how to respond. That's when it just goes, ah, I don't know what to do here. And then oh, you, you, you get this injury. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, I've been creating a lot of space for um, many different kinds of movements. And sometimes I really uh, encourage people to even go towards what they think is a, um, a bad alignment because mm. we tend to overly protect ourselves from those spaces, which is why we get so bolstered. Uh, mm-hmm. And that actually makes us weaker. In the same way why I remove the element of uh, matte surfaces, because the mat is a slightly softer, really a metaphoric bolster that we are we are on. And mm-hmm. that makes the floor all nice and pleasant for you to move around, which has its place. But in the long run, hard, like softer surfaces will only create hard bodies. And harder surfaces will allow our bodies to learn how to be soft in response to to that. And, you know, the mm. first few times will be uh, a, a challenging one. Like the same way, you know, the first time you do a headstand, you're like, gosh, you know, it's so much mm. in my head. It's so painful. But I'm sure you know, if you have sat, uh, if you have started to gradually build a steady headstand, you would feel like, mm-hmm. huh, the, the sensation has um, sort of diminished. It's not mm-hmm. my biggest uh it's not the first thing I think about anymore. There's no, like, you know, overbearing mm. pain. And it's it's really that, because if you think about it in the past, sometimes we, we hike without even wearing shoes, mm. you know? Mm. And where that come to? We have built this com- uh, culture of comfort so mm. much that we um, almost ex- expect to be babied around. And we feel mm. like, you know, that's a privilege. And that is so fantastic for people who do actually deal with um, you know, maybe bone conditions, you know, if they're really weak, I totally understand. And it's so great that there's so many things around out there to support uh, people with uh, that uh, mm-hmm. body. But those of us who are actually fine, mm. why do we need them? <laughs> mm. You know? Yeah, like, right. Well, it's, it's we... always a staying in our comfort zone, isn't it? And so exactly. literally, metaphorically, you're absolutely yes. right. It's, and, and now the mats are thicker, more padded than ever. Mm. <laughs> More and also sticky. very grippy. Yeah, that's exactly. right. And yeah. and that actually can be. Uh, I've I've found that you know, some super grippy mats can be a bit of a problem because then yeah. you know you you can't slide as much. Yeah. And um, then if you're trying to do a transition or something, and you can really hit your toe on them and things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, actually the. Forcing yourself out of a comfort zone is really, it seems to be that that is, that is the key to, you know, to what you're teaching to your practice. And it's feeling a little bit discomfort to expand your mind and to feel the physicality from that, would you say? Absolutely. I think it's mm-hmm. uh, very much the, the essence of what I share. And Lululemon actually puts it really well. Um, mm. I've been working with them quite closely. And one of their recent campaigns is the tagline of courage over comfort. Mm. And it's really that, you know, having the courage to step mm. out of your comfort zone to see what you are truly capable of. I think yeah. we, we lack that belief. Maybe. Yeah. We feel yeah. that we're only so much, but really we have so much more that we can do. And I almost want my my offerings to be empowering in a way to allow people to uh, to see that in their bodies, firstly, mm. so that they can then apply it to the way they're, they're, they're living 
Mm, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right because in terms of um, I'm all about taking yoga off the mat and living yoga in real life because otherwise, mm. why would we do it? Um, <laughs> and I think that thing of getting your courage muscle, getting your bravery mm-hmm. is the most important muscle that we can exercise. We're all so fearful and we like to do what's safe. And um, sometimes I think it's great to just decide what you're going to do and do it and then you might mess mm. up. But who cares? Just yeah. Just give it a go. And it's kind of the same in your practice as well. You know, I found it's extremely uncomfortable that day in class when, you know, some of the transitions, some of the moves, things that I'm completely unfamiliar with. And I was messing up and I fell over and blah, blah. And I felt mm. really ungainly. And I just thought, hmm, oh, yeah, this is good. This is really good because I would know exactly what to do. As you say, mm-hmm. in a more structured class, you know, oh, yeah, raise hands, look, hands. Look. But mm-hmm. when, when you're just moving in different ways and you're able to fall over, that's when you know that you're learning, isn't it? When you're failing, when you're getting it wrong so that you can then learn how you can do it differently. And, it's um, really true, yeah. It's a fear of failure, isn't it, that we all have, mm. which really holds so many of us back. Uh, yeah, and this is why um, <laughs> I I always start the class sharing with my students that mm. if they look too graceful in my class, I am not doing my job <laughs> because <laughs> it then becomes a performance. You right, know, this is called a yoga practice for a reason. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. practice things, and practice does have a um, big component of of failure, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's kind of you know if you think about. Uh, again, life, and if you know, comparing the first time you stepped on a yoga mat, being you as a as a child, you know mm-hmm. that moment when you're new uh, to practice, and you know you might have just done your first curl or your first headstand, and you're it's like you know you you feel the top of the world, and you feel yes. like, this is so great, you know, like what else is new, you know, yeah, and then um you sort of become an adult where you know you might be mm-hmm. two or three years into practice, and you you kind of know enough. Mm. Um, enough that you know you feel like okay this is the right way of doing things this is how I should do things and I feel that uh, you know like I said very similar to adulthood is a very dangerous place to be because um, you think you know enough and so then you don't allow yourself to be a fool again and mm. I think that is what separates um, like if you look at uh, say if I strictly just talk about yogis and the people who you then see, you know, how, like, you know, people, uh, there's a big sum of people who get stuck in, gosh, you know, I just can never go past uh, holding a handstand, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then you see these guys who just, like, you know, get onto their handstands and now go to almost otherworldly <laughs> places mm-hmm. of handstanding, like, I'm going to handstand on one hand or on my finger mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. How did they get there? Why is there such a massive gap? beyond mm. that point of I'm I'm strong enough to kind of you know get to a handstand with my teacher supporting to mm-hmm. I can hold it on my own on a finger <laughs> like, <laughs> why is there a massive gap there why are people stuck in that uh, phase like this yeah. wall that people keep talking about mm. um and mm. I genuinely feel the people who went past the wall are the people who allowed themselves to keep failing they mm. keep falling. They keep allowing yourself to just go, you know what? I'm not going to care if I can hold it or not. I will just try and mm-hmm. try different ways. And some of these guys will go into, say, um, circus training and mm. you know, 
transcend specialist training. They are finding different ways of, you know, what it is that uh, allows it to happen. And then they, they, they made it happen. Instead yeah. of being stuck in this, I call it the state of paralysis and an analysis, mm-hmm. uh, they overly think, they overly think and, um, you know, just they, they end up not doing or crippled by their thought mm-hmm. in the same way as when I, if I were to ask a, a, a child to do mm-hmm. a handstand, they would probably just go like, okay, and they just mm-hmm. try. Yeah, Whereas right. If you ask an adult, they'll be like, mm, I, I, I need four more handstand work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be confident enough. Yeah, that's right. Need, I need to go to a, a workshop with somebody who's come over from the yeah. States to teach yeah. handstands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But um, I also wanted to point out that because, of course, we're talking about sort of much more mobile ways of working. But mm. what you have very cleverly done in your newest sequence for Movement for Modern Life is you have managed to make this a lot more accessible. So bringing in the same mental concepts, but to things that people still need to be able to move to an extent, but not at all like be an advanced yoga practitioner. So the Jenga yoga kind of, where can you put your body? Just experiment, just try. That Mm. whole sort of way of... um, of turning your mind upside down. You also have a great knack of doing it with very simple practices, with very easy things, with things that, and and again, not to give too much the game away, but mm. there's one practice, which is just what we used to do as kids, like that, that coordination game, the, um, Mm. can you pat your tummy and 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 you can take that a bit further and it's really interesting isn't it how how we miss these mind games when we're older (laughs) yeah it it really is in a sense (laughs) and um yeah I think that's uh one of the biggest uh, focus that I've been having in the past Mm. few years and you know I think dancers very easily latch onto where I'm getting at Mm-hmm. Because that is my perspective in, you know, finding as many different ways of moving so that you mm-hmm. can cultivate a responsive body and mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, to, to you know, those of us who may not have trained in dance, it could be very daunting. It could be very like, oh my gosh, it's so mm-hmm. confusing to um, really the reason why I would not say that I'm offering a dance class because everyone would immediately say no in their heads already. That I can't <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Do it. <laughs> Yeah. So how do I ease them in? So I've been working on uh, this idea of uh, scales of expression. And uh, what I mean by that is um, looking into dissecting movements as patterns and motifs so that then you, uh, you know, the the practitioner can decide if they want to really keep um, the scale of their expression something that is very small and calming and therapeutic mm-hmm. to whether or not they want to make this a sweat session uh, for, mm. for them, and, you know, making it big or challenging their balance. And then all I do really is me there being a prompt and me giving a bit of a blueprint of, you know, okay, this is roughly what we're talking about. You know, we might be bringing our attention to our foots uh, and maybe working on balances, but you decide how far you want to take it. And then again, this uh, prompts people to then navigate for themselves what truly is their way of movement, what is their language of movement in the same way they have their own uh, language in their writing and in the way they speak, uh, in the way they sing even, their their, their tone Mm. of voice. Mm. 
Oh, that's very interesting. And and having that body movement as a way of expressing ourselves, well, mm. that's pretty much lost, isn't it? Apart from, as you say, to the dancing community and to the rest of us, we're just like, mm. whoa, we couldn't mm. possibly do that. We look on in awe, but actually mm. just to be able to start with very tiny little ways, mm. just, just the little thing. I think that's the real talent is bringing that element of dance to people who are completely unused to dance and who are less mobile. Mm. Um, Because it's the accessibility as well, which um, it's, you know, it's really important for me that everyone gets to start somewhere because, you know, most humans are pretty immobile Mm. (laughs) as grown-ups. And it's nice to get folks to just start, just start to how does it feel to move. Absolutely. Um, and with, with this approach, you know, stripping away the layer of performativity, mm-hmm. so there's no need to uh, uh, feel like you are performing for anyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually in the context of a class, you know, I, we, mm-hmm. we see students um, clinging on to this idea of needing to please the teacher, mm-hmm. when in fact, really, um, you, you are doing this for you. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do to make me happy as long Mm. as I see you being super open and responsive to your own desires Mm. and that's what uh, dance can do when you become comfortable in your own way of expression and so a lot of these uh, games which are again I won't say too much but you know things that I've been uh, (laughs) filming with you guys um, they are quite daily tasks where Mm. you know you could even like you don't even need to use yoga props it could be your whatever you have at home or things that you actually kind of do, you know, mm-hmm. so people can uh, bridge the gap a little bit more. They can actually see how yoga as a physical practice can be applied to their, their daily movement. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we do get stuck with this whole, like, I'm in a warrior two. Okay. I'm doing a really fantastic warrior two. So how's that going to like come into play in my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely so how, how does this actually relate to life yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and many many people can see that gap you know which is mm. why so many people have uh, uh, been benefiting from uh, these slightly more traditional practices and in fact I have to say in all honesty when I practice I I go to structured classes mm-hmm. I go to Ashtanga and Rocket and all that because mm-hmm of the nature of my style so because of my nature being so free form mm-hmm. as i go back to what i understand yoga to be you know going to places where i lack most awareness i i go to these structured places because that's what i need to find balance for myself because mm-hmm. i'm always so noodly and you know just <laughs> mm-hmm. about everywhere i need someone to give me structure so mm, that interesting. You know, may not be my most, uh, it's, it's like my, my vegetables, <laughs> mm. although I love vegetables now, but it's mm. the whole, like, okay, what do I need for myself right now? And so even in my classes, mm. you know, I, I give them the freedom of, do you want to stay still right now? Or do you want to mm. move? You decide if you've been, you know, stuck at your desk the whole week, I don't want you to stay still, maybe move, you know, move it out mm-hmm. because you've been, uh, you know, at, uh, on your chair for so long. Mm. But if, you know, you have been like me, if you are one who's been traveling so much, or if you're a freelancer, I would say, actually, stay still. Like, don't move. Give yourself that moment to, you know, be yeah. not doing anything. And maybe that's what you need. And again, mm. you decide. I won't tell you. You decide. I will remind you of 
these options that you can take, but in the end, you decide and see if it works for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I like that element of listening because again, mm. um, yoga is meant to be a sort of listening practice. It it is a practice where we come home to ourselves and we listen to who we are. And mm-hmm. but often you're absolutely right. We get carried away with mm, I know that this follows this, and then this is going to happen, and mm. then the listening stops because you're just back into the structure. So being mm-hmm. able to listen to your body is well, it's a very good start for being a human in the world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can, if you, and listen to your body, chances are you might start to listen to other people and what else is going on in the world. Mm. And um, and I think that can also be the trouble with the rigidity, isn't it? Because we can be mm. so stuck on this is our habit, this is what I say, and this is what I do, and this is my practice, mm. that we stop listening and almost the conversation just becomes this one, you know, we, we're in an echo chamber for our own body, let alone our community. And maybe mm. that's how we, it all got so divisive because we stopped sort of listening and just empathizing with what, you know, what others are doing. Yeah. And, and that, this is why, you know, I think, uh, you know, language is such mm. a beautiful thing. But if we overly, language things it becomes divisive when we mm-hmm. categorize too much which is why i absolutely love the way movement for modern life has um you know ways of categorizing where it's down to energy levels and how you would like to feel yeah and right. in, in, in that sense people can just go you know what i just want to feel grounding today and then you know you can find mm-hmm. practices that not it's not necessarily overtly named in the sense yeah. that oh this is anusara or this is vinyasa whatever it's yeah. just this is a restorative flow and yeah. come and join me in this and then it keeps people open and so it doesn't go into that uh, whole place of like this is the only thing i will do and this is it <laughs> you know and um it's, it's i i get it you know routine Thank is you. a very grounding thing in itself mm-hmm. but there also needs to be a place for uh spontaneity Absolutely. And, um, so I'm I'm really happy that um, you guys are you know really uh, sort of taking a, a big step towards advocating that towards getting people to to feel than mm. to to sort of just view categories. Yeah, absolutely. It's mm. all about because that is the power of movement and yoga, isn't it? You can it, is. it truly is so transformative. You can transform feeling a bit meh, a bit stuck. You turn up and you're like, no, I don't want to do mm. this. And I feel crap. Mm-hmm. To literally just within 10 minutes, you can feel free as a bird. And mm. it is that. And, and the consciousness of being able to say, I want to choose to get out of this. I want to choose to. Or if, again, if you're feeling too flighty, if you're feeling a little bit overexcited, be like, no, I now want to ground down. I now want to calm. And it's like that conscious um, d- decision. It's just making making it conscious that you're listening to yourself. You're listening to others. You're starting to connect to yourself. And as you say in your classes, you can start to connect to your environment and to others. And mm. that's why, David, I thought you'd be such an amazing fit for us. Because although your practices are, they're out of the box. 
it's beautiful that it's out of the box because it's like, well, this is actually a real learning curve and absolutely fascinated to see what people are going to think about your practices. And I bet mm-hmm. you I'm you're going to get, <laughs> oh, I, I bet you you're going to get floods of people coming to your workshops where they can because mm. I think once people didn't discover this slightly different way of seeing life, mm. it's very liberating. Yeah, it really can be. And, you know, I think my biggest motivation comes from how I started yoga. You know, I started practicing with my mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's with my mom as quality time. And so for me, yoga, what, or beyond all the connection and the the feeling that you get in your body, the the number one thing that takes precedence is my my connection with my, my mom. That's what I saw as, like, you know, yoga for me when I started. And so that, I think that now has, in hindsight, become a real driving force and why I'm really into this idea of connection beyond Mm. yourself. Interesting. Because I've seen what magic it has uh, forged for my mom and I. You know, it's really allowed us to form this special bond. uh, That's beautiful. Because, you know, obviously... Yeah, I'm from Malaysia and, you know, mm-hmm. they're all back home. And so uh, sometimes when we Skype one another, that is what we talk about. And, you know, um, it, it gives us a, another layer of, you know, uh, still feeling mm. like to one another when we are not uh, physically in, in some sense. So uh, I'm always grateful for yoga to have um, established that connection for us. And I really, you know, it makes my day to always see people coming into my classes with their moms or with their daughter or mm. with their sons their father i love that it makes my day it reminds me again you know how mm-hmm. i started out in the first place that's beautiful and i love the thought of practicing with others and sharing your practice and having a laugh with it with others and finding it as a way of connecting and not just being this endless navel gazing exercise that we do (laughs) in a lonely spot on your own be it on your own mat in a big studio Mm. or on your own home I think that's beautiful that's a Mm. wonderful way so David just what would you I I like to I like to bring things back down to earth for people because there are so many people who are you know just I'll be listening to it and inspired and I'll be thinking "Mm, but how how can I make a start? What small steps would you suggest that people could make to make a start on this practice or to make a start to um to lighten up to start playing? How how can we start? What small steps? I think uh, those of us who are already uh, practicing a lot of yoga, the next mm. time you step onto the mat, really question why you're doing things. <laughs> That's a good like one. Literally every single thing. Like, why am I doing this? Mm. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Mm. And just in a sense of like, is it actually giving you pleasure? Mm. Are you just trying to please the teacher even when they didn't really intend for you to please them? Mm. <laughs> Are you comparing mm. yourself to one another? Mm. Are there ways you can make your life easier, but you're not just because you might be clinging on to ego? So, you know, mm-hmm. lots of why, why, mm. why? And, you know, try just a different way of doing things, you know, simple things like maybe I'll just widen my stance in mm-hmm. uh, my hand, where my hands are. Maybe I'll find a bit of a longer downward facing dog. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, what if I start um, letting my focus across the whole hour's practice to be looking around the things um, in my surrounding, mm. you know, instead mm. of thinking, well, oh, I have to really press my foot down, trusting mm. that your body does it. And you're just mm -hmm. going, what can I see right now in this position? I can mm. see bodies in front of me. Mm. I can see my, my teacher. I can see the wall behind it. I can see maybe the windows and what's beyond the windows. And when I move around, you know, what else can I see? Can I see my limbs, my fingers? And to start, you know, opening mm. out in that sense and just notice how you feel. <laughs> mm. That's a great yeah. one. I so love that. That's something that everyone can do. Just Absolutely. notice how you feel and ask the whys. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you. Gosh, I must say, I find you so intelligent to talk to because you're somebody who's really thinking about, as you say, the why of your practice. Why are you teaching this? Why are you doing what you're doing? And how can you better serve others in that process? And mm. it's that questioning that is um, so fascinating and also so inspiring about you as well, David, as a person. Thank I think you. that's yeah, it's very, very beautiful to um, get to know a practitioner like that. So your classes are going to be on Movement for Modern Life um, very shortly, if they're not already at the time that this is released. Mm -hmm. And um, where else can people see you, find out more about you? Well, um, I teach quite regularly across London and I am offering quite a few workshops throughout the year. Uh, if if not, mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, uh, starting the launch of these videos, um, you can find me on Movement for Modern Life too. But just generally in terms of, you know, keeping this conversation mm -hmm. um, about creativity and this idea of freedom, connection on your mat mm -hmm. and off the mat, you can mainly find me on Instagram. And that would be at David Kam, K-W. So David K-A-M. KW mm -hmm. and that's where you can find all of the information of my workshop as far as my official website which you can then spend to read up a lot more about me if you'd like to find out more about where I come from and um, you know just mm -hmm. the, the style and my vision mm -hmm. of what I see classes to be in uh, oh. if not yeah I'll I'll be around smiling about <laughs> hopping across London here and there <laughs> And I recommend that people do um, follow you on Instagram because your Instagram account is very thoughtful and very mm -hmm. beautiful. A great combination. It's not just an endless series of, um, you know, you're an incredible person to look at. You're very, very gorgeous. So, it's, But oh, not just you. that, but mm -hmm. it's also just so thoughtful with always smiling, always questioning, always working it out. And I think it's a lovely journey that people might enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much, David, for your thank time you, and for joining the Movement for Modern Life team. I'm yeah, I'm eternally really grateful. to be a part of the family. Oh, super. All right. Until next time. Wow. Well, what did you think of that? I must say, I love David's definition of yoga, of shedding light where we might lack awareness. And that intention of moving into an area of discomfort, of being courageous, and finding that your yoga practice is introducing a new way of thinking. To me, that really does speak so much to me because I mean, I'm a founder of a business, I'm running a business, and to be honest, 
it takes so much bravery to do something different, to just keep trying something. And sometimes things that I try fail, quite a lot of the time they do. But then keep trying and things will come right. And you do learn so much along the way. And it's that learning, the learning, the skill of expression, which I mean, that's something that we can all, I think, really hone in on in our life because so many of us, um, I know that I for certain was looking at the way that I was expressing myself on and off the mat in terms of how others do it. And to be bold enough to find your own voice, to find your own movement, to find what you need. Um, well, that's very empowering. And I think that the world really, really does need that. Um, and to use your body as an expression of change and working with the art of change as a responsiveness to what's going on in life. And that's also absolute, so profound. So I've really enjoyed seeing how the physical movement relates to the mental approach in life and how David's approach, and you'll see, I really hope that you look at his videos on Movement for Modern Life. You see that his approach is so light. He's always smiling. He really is that whole lightness of being. But that's why his play is so important and it's so serious, because that's that lightness, I think, that so many of us lack. Um, and that's what I think yoga is really about for me. It's about a lightness. And just finding that his play is so liberating. Anyway, do check his classes out. And I really hope you enjoyed the conversation. And please do continue to support us by subscribing to Movement for Modern Life and um, rating this on iTunes or wherever you got it and um, subscribing to the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me on my journey of exploration through meeting champions of change, people who are making a difference to how we really are on and off the mat. And I'll meet you here next time.